Hey, what's up? You'll hear it, listeners. Adam Manis here. While Peter was out of town, we thought this would be a great opportunity to wrap up season three. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that our seasons are completely arbitrary. They're just when we feel like turning over. Uh, so we're going to end season three. We're going to do a couple of best ofs. This first one, we thought it would be fun. Well, Andrew thought it would be fun if we did our best of seven lists, but these are all different numbers from different best of seven lists. Just listen and enjoy. I think uh, I think you'll like it. And uh, we'll have another best of tomorrow, and then we'll start season four, which we're very excited about. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoy this best of best of seven list. We got, a, we got a couple of emails about, you know, and I get I get asked all the time from some of our open studio members, like, yep. how do I practice scales? We actually have a part of a, a, one of our courses, Ele- the Elements of Jazz Piano, which is our very fine intermediate course. Yes, jazz piano course. right down the middle. We have something called Creative Scale Practice, where we do a lot of these things we're talking about. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, practicing scales is something that can seem tedious, but there are several different ways to do it that it's not just this like up and down linear motion. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so number one, I love what you put for number one, which is to practice the scales slowly. Yes. So often we're trying to push the boundaries of what we can do, you know, for speed yeah. that we tend to neglect what might be even more important, yeah. which is getting a good sound. Yes. And to do that, you have to practice slowly. You have to practice slowly. And then there can be some challenges, too, when you practice slowly that are unexpected, uh, especially on scales that you you know feel like you've mastered. Uh, what I'll find I'll do is when I go through, and I actually do a lot of my scale practice when I do it slowly, almost mm-hmm. all of it at this point is just like that's the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. And then you know working in some of these things we'll talk about later, when you're playing slowly, you can really concentrate on um, articulation and sound and evenness because you're playing slowly, but you're not playing out of time. Right. And that's the important part. Sound, yeah. articulation, evenness. That's something that gets neglected if you're just trying to push the metronome yeah. up and up and up. And you can't, sometimes you don't notice it as much when you're playing faster. So this is a time to really be critical and evaluate. A lot of people avoid this because it's it's difficult, actually. It's very hard. And, and it's exposing. You know, it can kind of expose you for the fraud that you are. And maybe you think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not making gains. But no, you are. You're exactly. making more gains than you think you are. Especially if you're concentrating on getting things nice and even yeah. with the ar- articulation that you hear. You know, so it's like literally from your brain to your your hands to the instrument is is uh, uninterrupted and is exactly the sound you want to try to get. You know, that's the important thing, the control. Are you saying you'll hear it? Is uh, that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, okay. you practice slowly, you'll, you'll hear, hear it. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're giving folks seven practice strategies that you can implement today. I love it. Well, number two is... Meditation. Meditation. This is, uh, I think, a crucial thing for me, and I know you practice this too, and it's really, really helpful if you're, you know, we're committed to practicing for the rest of our lives. We're committed to music, and and that means that we are committed to working at it, and I think that requires a headspace that is... not to conflict with your app here that you mentioned, I which do is use, called Headspace. I, I actually use that, yeah. You yeah. use the app Headspace that, yeah. that you wrote down here. No, but it requires a Headspace that's cl- clean and ready to work, right? right. That, that isn't constantly judging or trying to take you away. So it's not as mystical as I think people may think. It's Meditation is literally recognizing when your attention is away from where you want it to be yeah. or where it could be. And bringing that attention back 
to a place of calm, focused. You know what I mean? You're staring at me right now. No, well, I'm. I'm <laughs> I like I'm it. Trying to. I'm you're trying to explain. Yeah, yeah. You're in, in a good. musical way, and we've yeah. talked about this. How you could do this in practice a little bit. It's very simple, actually. Yeah. When you're practicing, if you're not um, relaxed and uh, focused on the task at hand, if you're thinking about other things, if your thoughts are drifting, yep. step away. Stop. That's right. Take your hands off the piano. Take Number your hands three, off stop. the horn. <laughs> yeah. No, and then get back into a good place where you're focused and thinking about what you should be thinking about or not thinking about anything. Yeah. Either, either one of those things are great options. And then go back to the instrument and start again. Right. That's great. And I mean, the reason that we have these first two specifically listen and meditation as possible strategies for you to be able to do today to enhance your practice um, that are actually have nothing to do with the instrument or can be done away from the instrument. Mm. But, but we really feel strongly that this can enhance, like this is a very thoughtful way of kind of strategizing your practice session because normally the thing is like, okay, I have to, you know, I, I want to practice today. I want to get something accomplished. Let me immediately sit at my instrument mm -hmm. and do this scale or practice this tune. And that's great stuff. But these are things, these two things, listening and meditation, are things that we can always do and we can definitely start today, but they will enhance whatever we do. If we do great practice, if it's like, eh, I mean, there's always going to be peaks and valleys. Yeah. But if you start to incorporate those two right. at a minimum, I think it will enhance, you know, even like your kind of off days with practice when you're not feeling it you'll still be able to really get something out of that. Totally. Imagine, or a small amount of time, too. Right. Imagine if you had, you know, 20 minutes and you had an off day and you, you couldn't even get to the piano. Yeah. But you listened to something that was like you hadn't really checked out and you really deeply listened to something that was yeah. important to you. That would be great. Man, that could change. And stuff. when you listen, not to jump too much back to number one, but but one thing to think about there is you might just get one little phrase or something. Like say you're doing the, the rhythm changes, you're listening to Clifford Brown and you're cycling through or whatever. You might have one phrase and you don't even know it. Maybe you can't even get to the instrument, but you just sort of write that down or write the time down or sing it. Mm. I mean, just, you know, one thing that you can take with you for a long time to develop your ears, to develop your vocabulary can be really uh, a game changer with your playing. Yeah. There's no bad listening. No. Yeah. No. Well, well, sometimes there is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other episode. <laughs> That's right. about today well we you're not gonna be talking about much because you don't know nothing about this see? man i'm a little <laughs> nervous about today's episode because well, uh you know this is uh this is revealing well look we don't know what we don't know and i think this is gonna be fun i, I uh we am were i talking. wearing pants i can't tell <laughs> it feels like one of those dreams um look we all th this is the great thing about this music it's an it's an endless well yep. and we were um you know having drinks yesterday and i think we talked about I mentioned an album, or you said somebody had mentioned an album, which gave us the idea for this episode, which was, um, you know, what to me was like a seminal recording, which you had never even heard of. I know. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is not no knock on you. I mean, in fact, I'm looking forward to maybe we'll do this next week. We could do it the other oh, way. Oh, we're doing it next <laughs> week the other way, for sure. But I think some of these, I tried to put a nice mix together, and I and full disclosure, I did check out with you that, that you didn't. Um, you know, I called out and said, you know this one? So we are, these are confirmed ones that you never knew. Yeah. Like you were like, what? Huh? Um, now we're going to do a little Buckshot LaFunk. And this was funny because I was like, have you what heard the of what? Yeah. You were like, what? And I was, I was actually surprised you hadn't heard the name, but I realized that this, so this is brand for Marsalis. He had a band called Buckshot LaFunk and that mm. was actually, I think they did two records. This is from the first record. That sounds like some crazy New Orleans guy that they yeah. actually knew, you know? But he put this whole to, to band together. Our friend Reginald Veal was the original oh, bass yeah, player. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then later on, Eric Rivas. And then it kind of moved into back when he went back to having his quartet. But this is when Branford was like, I'm not going to 
do the jazz thing straight ahead. I want to do kind of a hip hop funk kind of New Orleans. I have thing. no knowledge of this. Okay, well, you're all. about to. Knowledge is about to be dropped. I'll tell you what, man. I am a sucker for this, like, organic 90s conscious hip-hop. Yeah, I really am. I could... And I'm just going to check here. You know, and this is super... How do you do the thing where you make it softer? Oh... This is my first time DJ. We should talk about that. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. on this album. You're not I wish doing a very was. good job. <laughs> well, uh, I was just looking because I thought that was DJ Premier, uh, and I'm just confirming that before I screw up. Yeah, he did most of the programming and and you know the drum tracks and stuff on so here. So then there is there points where Branford like blows over that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let me see if I can jump to that. And this is actually Breakfast at Denny's, which is funny because it's kind of an add-on track. There was a. Uh, it's like a different version. There was another one that was on some movie that came out where it got a little bit of notoriety. But this is from that first Buckshot LaFunk record. I mean, it was like, man, Roy Buckshot LaFunk. Yeah, let me see if I can get a little bit of solo. I got to get the album. Oh, this is kind of the, and he's played this tune before. Oof. Roy Hargrove, a bunch of, you know, slick horn stuff. But Kenny Kirkland's on this record too. Bob Hurst plays some on it. Um, actually, is it Bob or Reginald? Reginald played in the band when they went live. Jeff Watts. I mean, a bunch of cats. It was just a cool thing where Branford kind of brought his whole orb in, DJ Premier, and um, uh, Victor Wooten's on some stuff on bass. Like, he just really, like, a very produced kind of early jazz, hip-hop, um, whatever you call it. I love Synergy. It. I love it. Love fest. I'm saving yeah. it. Yeah, Buckshot La Funk. Um, and it's cool, too, because it sounds dated, but not in a bad kind of dated way. Like 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 you brought it up, that kind of early 90s sort of vibe, late 80s, early 90s stuff. Another good practice technique, and our number four here on our seven hacks to swing harder, is to practice with a metronome. Oh, yeah. I like this. And a lot of people think this is sort of anti-swing because they're like, a metronome is robotic and robots can't swing. Mm -hmm. First of all, do we know that robots can't swing? Has anyone programmed a robot I'm to sure swing? sure MIT is working on it. I'm, I bet Jazz and Lincoln Center and MIT are doing like a joint <laughs> project on that. <laughs> oh, man. When robots learn to swing, we're all out of a job. That's right. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, practicing with a metronome, I love that one. Now, the uh, you know one that you probably heard is with the... Metronome on two and four. I definitely like that. Um, but it's tight. It's tight. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the only way. You can do all four. One that I like doing or used to like doing when I was a little bit more disciplined with my metronome practice. You sleeping on the metronome? I'm, I'm not sleeping on it. I'm, I probably should sleep on it with it on, you know. <laughs> but um, is having it on just four. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. So, so it's just like one, two, three, <laughs> click. Because this can, you can work on your time. I yeah. mean, a metronome is never going to make you swing, yeah. but it can help you to swing in time, yeah. which is important because that is a, a part of swing. Uh, unlike other grooves that can be more kind of forgiving in terms of give and take with the tempo, swing's not really one of those at any tempo. I had a conversation with a kid at Berkeley, and all the Berkeley kids do like weird things like on beat four, but every four bars. Ooh. And they try, like, or every two bars and every four bars on faster tempos, and they yeah, really try to line that's it up. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, good for the kids. Yeah, I guess. Can they swing, though? <laughs> Today, we're talking about seven crucial details for navigating core changes. Mm. Uh, number five, 
Half diminished. How does they work? How does they work? <laughs> um, okay, half diminished. This is something that I struggled with, just like I think most people, to make them sound good. Yep. Um, and so I think, you know, we're talking about navigating chord changes. So this is definitely one that we don't want to think about in isolation. We're always thinking about the progression. Where does it lie? The most obvious place for this is as a two in a two to five to a minor chord normally. Yep. So some of the techniques we talked about earlier, as far as like, even like with the Phrygian and stuff that you're thinking about over that three, six, two, five, um, kind of where you're going, that could be done with this as well, where you're thinking about maybe a Dorian or even a natural minor of the one that that two half diminished would be eventually getting to. Either that, or you could think about the Dorian from, so... Well, know, that would actually be the Phrygian, too, over the two. Exactly. That's what made me think of it with, your, with the other one, right? Well, I think what I was thinking on this is there's two different scales that you, most people kind of associate with yeah. this. The first one is the more traditional, where you actually think of this as like a B minor, yeah. Over, or sorry, B flat minor over a G. Yeah. Right. And so you hear some bebop musicians play B B flat minor. Yeah. That kind of sound. Yep. So that would be this scale. Right. Yeah. That's the uh, Locrian. Locrian, exactly. But that is also the. Um, that's the Phrygian, isn't it? Of of E flat. Uh, no, because it's got that. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, yeah. So that's the that's the seventh degree from the A flat. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's <too. laughs> it. You know, because we're in F minor, relative yep. major, A flat. Yep. Uh, and then the the Locrian. So it's the natural minor of where we're going, actually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You could use the harmonic minor. Right. Uh, or you could use. Uh, the melodic minor sound, what people call the Locrian sharp two, which right. is the same scale, but you have a natural two yep. instead of that. Right, so the first one is G, A flat, B flat, C, D flat, E yep. flat, F, G, and the second one just has this, it's the same thing, but with an A natural. And I like using that, but I don't always like to use it at the bottom. Like, that's something that I heard Herbie Hancock do where you're putting it at the top, That that, and I think about it as, well, it is the ninth. What are you talking about? Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like all these different things we always want to think about. It's not just like when we're navigating, it's like how are we using them, like in what order on the top as part of a, a shape or as part of a scale. Like sometimes when you just play as a scale, you're like, uh, but then you can choose those notes yeah. in a melodic way with a shape that actually works really good. What's up, Peter? Adam, this is Charles in Atlanta. I'm curious to know who you guys' uh, favorite seven and a bonus scatters are. As always, podcast is great. Keep up the fantastic work. Thanks. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. We're yeah. number six. We're exceeding our uh, our allotment here. Got you, Charles. Um, Got you, Charles. <laughs> Betty Carter. You ever heard of her? Betty Carter. So, you know, she's somebody that, I mean, look, a, a list of giants here. She really is a giant. May not be quite as well known or heard. I've been noticing, especially with the younger generation. That's crazy, right? So we need to lift up her name because, you know, Betty is right in there in the pantheon of incredible improvisers. 
I got a little chance to play with her in 1991 for about nine months. Uh, such an education for me. But hearing her improv, like she was a true improviser because she always she she hated doing stuff the same way, but she liked doing the same repertoire. She had a big repertoire, right. so it was so exciting because she had these very specific arrangements. But then she wanted it to just be. I remember she would tell us before she came out, like for the first tune, she's like just play noise and I was so terrified because I was like what do you mean she's like just play something and then she wanted it to be dramatic and like you know we try to do a groove she's like no no no, just play everybody on the the whole tree and then she'd come out and it forced us to kind of build up something that we thought was sort of random but we had to make some music and then she would like lift up her arm and it would come down and then we're right into the groove like swinging like bam bam and but she understood like the drama of the music and it was the same way she would improvise and the same way she would scat it wasn't just i mean yeah she knew the changes and all that but it was like how do you create something she was always about creating something that's awesome man yeah All right, we we alluded to some chills today. Yes. And that's because we're talking about seven uh, tracks that give us chills. Yes. And by that we mean like goosebumps, like the hairs on the on your on your neck stand up. That's right. right. Yeah. And I mean the tracks are all great, but we're even talking about specific moments. Right. We're breaking it down for you. So maybe we should call it seven moments. Should we should we call an audible and change it or no? I don't know. No, I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Seven moments. They give us chills. Seven moments on tracks. Wait. Yeah. Okay. We'll just do moments. That's yeah. Fine. For people to hear our thought process of the production of this, I think is exciting. Oh, actually. it's enlightening. <laughs> it's enlightening. <laughs> it's enlightening. <laughs> All right. For number seven, we're, we're really going to the mountaintop on this, in my opinion, um, just to a, a, a moment on a solo that uh, from Louis Armstrong, this is I, I Got a Right to Sing the Blues. Kind of a corny tune, but uh, but what he does with this, and this is the OG version, like this is the old one. I, I want to, I'll look in a second. No, I won't. I don't even care. But it's the older one. He did one later. I was gonna say the '30s, '40s. I don't know. It's old, old school. But the whole yeah. thing about this is just what he plays. And what can we play a little bit before? But when he, when the band breaks again, a transition, and he starts to solo, and like you got to keep in mind, like how corny stuff was being played <laughs> during this time period and the way that he plays. We've talked about this before with with pretty much all of his solos. Mm. Like he was so ahead of his time, but just in terms of like standing the test of time and just some beautiful, like the phrasing, the freedom, the swing, the feel, his confidence within that, the musicianship, the tone, the whole thing. The best. Yeah. Here we go. And what he, he sings the melody before this, and it's incredible, like his phrasing and harmony is like super advanced but then when I mean but this is the moment right when they break Did he just make a one one hell yeah. note swing a little bit? Yeah, yeah. He, he literally plays a whole note over two bars and it's swinging, and then he goes into the next, and then he starts. We gotta go back here again. I uh, know, no, no. But, no. but with, then when he starts soloing, like, I mean, obviously he's the one pushing. If you hear the whole track, pushing everybody to Dude. swing. But he starts soloing. He starts floating above the time I, immediately. I've never heard this. That's inc- <laughs> like I think he uses that vibrato to make this whole note swing. Yeah, that's insane. That just swings harder than what they're doing. <laughs> Chills. This is all floating at the time. 
this break. And then goes right back to floating. So it's like he goes into that real traditional New Orleans kind of break thing and then goes right back to floating over the time. And I mean, you know, I really think that he set the tone phrasing wise for singers, for horn players, for piano, for everybody. I mean, it was a life full of giving people chills. Yeah, for sure. It was it's almost like, you know, jazz or whatever they were calling it then or, you know, could have devolved into some kind of corny dance music. Mm. And he just just like, you know, elevated it, elevated the game for sure. For real. (laughs) 